KMTT, Ki Mitzion Teitzei Torah. You are listening to the Erev Shabbat program, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parashat Toldot. Rosh Chodesh Kislev, the Erev Shabbat program is Li Lui Nishmat. Shlomo Yosef ben Chaim Shmuel, and is dedicated in honor of his granddaughters, the youngest granddaughters, Bat Mitzvah, Batya Daniel. And I am your host, Jonathan Snowbell. Tough time deciding what to speak about this week. I desperately want to speak about Yitzchak because there's so little in the Torah about Yitzchak that it's important for us to reflect, if briefly, on Yitzchak. Yet I'm constantly drawn to the story of Yaakov and Esav, the deception justified, not justified, successful, not successful, and that question. And ultimately, because it is an educational question, I think it's something that we have to give time to address, whether we've addressed it in the past or not, but it's something that has to be addressed. It is clear that Yaakov Avinu deceives his father Yitzchak into thinking that he is Esav. There are several issues that we have to raise when we're dealing with this question. Number one is, was this a justified deception on the basis of the fact that Yaakov bought the Bechorah from Esav? Number two... Is is the deception successful? Is getting the bracha a necessary thing to get the bracha? And does he does does the bracha succeed? Uh, this is something that can be examined on several levels. Some modern day commentaries want to speak about Yaakov returning the bracha to Esav when they meet in Parshat Vayishlach after Yaakov returns from Haran. Other earlier commentaries, the Ran and his Drashot discuss the failure of the bracha to take root in reality, where in fact Yaakov is under the rule of Esav for many, many more years than the opposite, so the bracha didn't come through. And then there's this issue that Rashi decides to bring up. And within here, there are two reads of Rashi. Rashi brings up the issue of the lie in two places. In, in Pasuk Yutet, Yaakov says, Vayomar Yaakov el Aviv, Anochi Esav Bechorecha. And Rashi, I'm paraphrasing, says that the quote, Anochi Esav Bechorecha, should be separated. Anochi, I am who I am. Esav Bechorecha, and Esav, he is your firstborn. Later on, Yitzchak asks, Yaakov, Vayomer, Atazeb Ni Esav, Vayomer Ani. 
Are you my son, Esav? And he answers, Ani. And Rashi, once again, comments that Ani, I. Doesn't mean I am, or doesn't concur, just I am who I am. And these Rashis trouble me. I can easily avoid the questions that I have on Rashi and say, Rashi really believes what Yaakov did is a deception, and Yaakov will pay the price for this. He'll give up the bracha, the bracha won't come true. (coughs) Pardon me, he'll be deceived later on by Lavan, who's going to trick him and give the younger one before the, the older one instead of the younger one. But the simple understanding of Rashi is that somehow these tricks of formulation, Yaakov thought they worked, Rashi thinks they work. What do I mean? Clearly Yaakov is deceiving his father Yitzchak. And again, I'm leaving aside the question right now whether that's a justified deception. I think we can all agree upon a possibility that uh, if I know something that rightfully belongs to me is going to be given away to somebody else and the only way I can retrieve it is through deceiving, there's a good possibility that on a moral ground and on a legal ground that that's a legitimate thing to do. And within that framework, if the bracha belongs to Yaakov because he purchased it from Esav, then maybe deception is reasonable as well. But if the deception is reasonable, then we have no need to attempt to say that Yaakov wasn't lying. He was deceiving his father because he was getting what was rightfully his. The fact that Rashi goes out of his way to state that he didn't lie is troubling to me. Because as an educational message, the simple reading of Rashi is that somehow by not exactly lying, he is not lying. Anochi, Esav Bechorecha, I am who I am, and Esav is Bechorecha, is Klape Shmaya, in a vacuum, facing God, is a truthful statement. I am who I am, and Esav is your Bechor. And in that sense, we could say, it's not a lie. But is lying a an objective statement that we can evaluate if it's a lie or if it's not a lie? Or is lying about how we communicate to the other person? And whether we've deceived the other person? We wouldn't be very happy if we asked our child, did you... Were you disrespectful to the teacher? And the child loudly answered no, and under his breath muttered, I didn't ride on my skateboard today. Meaning, when he said no, he was meaning meaning to say, no, I didn't ride on my skateboard. 
evaluating this child statement using Rashi's logic tools, we would say, assuming this is what Rashi meant vis-à-vis Yaakov Avinu, that the child was not lying. Though he did manage to deceive the person who posed the question, the child said a true statement. Okay. And here again we come to the question, is lying about stating the truth or not stating the truth, or is lying about deceiving the other person? And it is obvious to me that it's about deceiving the other person. And it is important for me, for those who are interested in what I have to say, for those who would listen to me, my children, my students, that they would know that what Yaakov Avinu said, is that he was lying to his father. And if he said, and that's also lying. And maybe it was difficult for him to lie, and so therefore he wanted to somehow put some ring of truth to it, but it didn't work. And this is lying. Now again, it's important for me to restate the fact that lying might not be the be-all and end-all. And it might not be the worst thing here. One could argue that lying is justified here. And I'm much more comfortable with the idea of saying that lying is justified in this context that, than I am to say that formulating your words in a clever manner, in a way that between you and God or between you and an objective reality is not a lie. But towards the person you're communicating, is it is a clear deception. It's important for me to communicate to those who would listen to me that that's lying. That is lying. And I'm uncomfortable with this Rashi. And I'm comfor- I'm, 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 I'm uncomfortable with what Rashi is implying about what lying is in this. And again... One might want to be fancy with our understanding of Rashi and say, oh, but Rashi is of the opinion in the long run that what Yaakov Avinu did wasn't good, and so therefore these types of lies don't work. That might be true. I have no indication in Rashi that would convince me of that off the bat. And therefore I think Rashi is really trying to clean Yaakov Avinu of the sin of lying by tweaking at his formulation and explaining why what he said was not a lie. But again, it is important for me to communicate to my children, to communicate to my students, that lying is about communicating between two people. And if you deceive me, even if you objectively do not say a lie, that is the problem. Lying is not about... The problem with lying is not about stating an untruth. The problem with lying is the deception vis-a-vis the person you're speaking to. And no clever formulations will overcome the deception. And that is the problem, the deception. If it is a problem, because I will restate again, one could argue that deception here was justified. 
And then if deception is justified, there's no need for us to say that Yaakov said anything but a blatant lie. Anochi Esav Bechorecha, I am Esav your firstborn, which is the pshat of Yaakov Avinu's words. And that point is a separate point to argue, which I'm not dealing with now. What I'm dealing with is about how we communicate with other people. And how we communicate with other people is there's one definition of a lie. If we deceive them, even if with clever footwork we can justify the statement that we said, as I said, in some objective vacuum, in some objective vacuum of a reality, it doesn't matter. What matters is how we communicate to the other person. And in that sense, I wanted to be clear that I think that even if Yaakov Avinu meant to say what Rashi says that he meant to say, Anuchi, Esav Bechorecha, as far as I'm concerned, that's a lie, just as much as if he had said, I am Esav your Bechor. I am, and Esav is your Bechor, is just as much of a lie as I am Esav your Bechor. There's no difference, because he deceived Yitzchak. And I think that there is an educational problem with this Rashi, because a child who is reading this Rashi will walk away with the feeling that if he carefully formulates his words in a way that in this objective vacuum of a reality he has not said a lie, even though he is deceiving his parent, his teacher, with what he is answering, that's okay. And it's important for me to get that message across that it's not okay. And with all that being said, and I hope I've clarified the point, there is much what to discuss here within the parsha of Yitzchak and Yaakov and Esav. Was the deception justified? Was the deception not justified? Did it belong to him truly? And Rashi is of the opinion, by the way, that it did belong to him. Because later on in the parsha, when Esav says, Rashi explains that when Yitzchak heard that Yaakov had many years earlier purchased the brachot or the bechorah from Esav, then Yitzchak's response is Gam Baruch yes, so he should. In that case, he deserved the bracha. Whether or not we accept that, I think on a large educational level, it's important for us to know that Yaakov is who he is because of his morals. And Esav is who he is because of who he marries and how he speaks and how quickly he is for a bowl of lentils willing to give up the Bechorah and these are the ultimate things that we stand in front of God with, our actions. Not the brachot that we have, that we're not mizalzal with brachot, but as I mentioned, the Chidushe Aran thinks Yitzchak Avinu's bracha didn't come true. A bracha is only as good as the person who is accepting the bracha. And there's no magic in the metaphysical universe that will overcome a sinning person, a sinning person's deservement of a punishment 
except for the punishment, or except Chazarabi Tshuva. And no bracha will defend him from the fate that he deserves. A bracha could enhance a person who's going in the right direction, perhaps protect a little bit of a person who's going in a bad direction. But we ultimately believe in the merit of our actions and the severity of our sins to lead us to our ultimate judgment. And certainly those who believe that Yaakov Avinu didn't get the bracha, he gave back the bracha, the bracha didn't come true, they are taking that attitude towards brachot in general. And the question, the concept of a bracha, birkat koanim, birkat hediot, all these questions need to be discussed. I prefer an attitude towards a bracha Enhancing a situation, an existing situation, but not being able to create out of nothing something. <clears throat> there has to be something for the bracha to latch onto. If a person is good, then a bracha perhaps will make him not just be Mepharnes' family, but win the lottery. Just for an example. But I think that should be clear to to ourselves and to those who we educate that the most important thing is our actions. And we can't try to circumvent our actions by getting brachot and hoping that everything will be okay despite our actions. And I always like to, and I'll close off with this, a little joke that I always like to say. There's a Gemara, I believe in Masachet Brachot, that says anybody who says Ashrei one time a day or according to some versions three times a day He's a Ben Olam Haba. And I like to joke that when I read this Gemara, I say, there are two ways to get to Olam Haba. One way is the hard way. You learn Torah, you, you fulfill mitzvot, you give tzedakah, you do gmilut chasadim. That's one way to get to Olam Haba. The other way is saying Ashrei once a day. It's the, the quick ticket. And of course, the presentation of this idea in that way is, is that this is nonsense. And whatever the idea of the Gemara is, the significance of saying Ashrei is, is, and I'm not here to discuss that right now, but clearly there are no tricks. And a person who is a Rasha, who doesn't learn Torah, who doesn't keep mitzvot, who doesn't do gemilut chasadim, who doesn't give tzedakah, is not going to go to Olam Haba because he says Ashrei once a day. This is a non-Jewish idea of the mafia person who can do what mafia people do during the week, and go to admit his sins on Sunday and receive an absolvement for what he's done is a foreign idea to us Jews who believe in the Torah. And with that, we've given you what to chew on and what to think about. Once again, Birkat Mazal Tov to Batya Daniel on her Bat Mitzvah and the Daniel family, the extended Daniel family, and a Shabbat Shalom to everybody, and a Chodesh Kislev Tov. Chanukah is now on the horizon. Shabbat Shalom.